0: We're back.
1: It has been a long time, Mr. Pierre. It's good to see you on the screen, Yeah, and it's
0: good to hear your voice again. Don't worry, people. You won't have to see us on this podcast. You'll just get to listen to us and not see our faces.
1: Well, I get to see Aaron's face on the screen, yeah. so you all are unlucky to not see yeah. such a face as Aaron's.
0: Well, thank you. Well, welcome back to the We're Not As Dumb As We Think We Are podcast. It has been ye- literally years for a variety of reasons, and Bill and I no longer work at the same facility. We both work for Jesus still. But was
1: wondering if I was still alive.
0: Yeah, I did wonder if you was still alive. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to bring the podcast back because we like to uh, talk to each other. And as I tell people, uh, we're like the odd couple. We're two people that seem to get along well that no one would think so, and so it works. (laughs) We do get along well. Aaron
1: is the really cool guy, and then I'm the other guy.
0: Yeah, Bill likes to sell himself short. So typically, we ask Bill an odd or difficult, weird question at the beginning, but we're going to do it at the end. Because I like podcasts that get right to the point of what they're talking about, and I don't want to listen to all the fluff. So if you like all the fluff and us just messing around, that'll be at the end for this episode. And maybe for all future episodes, I don't know. Um, and then Bill will answer my question, and we'll just chit-chat. But we're going to get right to the point. So today's topic is surrender. Bill, did you Google search the word surrender today to find out what it means? On uh, I, I didn't initiative? Google
1: search it, but I do have an idea of what surrender means in lots of different contexts.
0: So I'll kind of just set up the stage That's what people say in podcasts. set up, set the stage for why we're doing this episode. Bill doesn't know this, but so I feel like this is like what God's trying to teach me right now is this idea of surrender. So Hmm. it's kind of been in my mind. It's been on my heart thinking about what exactly God wants me to do with my life. And right now he's, I feel like he's telling me to surrender and that can mean a lot of different things in my life, and I'm still working through all that. But I got some ideas we'll get through in the podcast. But that's kind of why we're going to talk about surrender in this episode.
1: And yeah, that's interesting. I did not know that. And I would be very curious to uh, explore that a little bit as to why. But, and I get what you're saying, too, about mm-hmm. uh, the Lord challenging uh, you or challenging me or, or anyone really to surrender. Um, yeah, and
0: I'm sure there are some other people. I mean, it's the beginning of the year. Whenever It's still the month of January, so a lot of people are still probably processing and thinking through this upcoming year with goals and ideas or resolutions or even just things they want to be do different. And I find over the last couple of years, January has always been a really good year for me and my spiritual growth because it's like I can't help but be like, it's a new year. Let's Let's really get focused down. Let's really hammer down on how I can you know, grow closer to Jesus this year. And so through uh, part of it, reading through 1 Peter and then just some silence and solitude, really felt God was calling this word surrender.
1: It's interesting. Well, I looked at surrender because you told me that's what we were going to talk about. And I read all the time. And so one of the areas I read in is uh, in history. And I looked at several different uh, endings of, of wars. In the Civil War at Appomattox Courthouse, Robert E. Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant, and in that context surrender, at least as I understand it, meant that their army was giving up the fight. They would no longer oppose uh, the army of the Potomac, Grant's army, and they would uh, submit to the terms that Grant's army laid down. That was the idea of surrender. Now, in the history, Grant was very gracious to the Confederates in the Army of Virginia, but uh, surrender went bad in that context. Uh, I was thinking about uh, surrender in in the sense of the of the British and uh, in the uh, Americans in the Revolutionary War at the end of that war, when Britain just really left. I mean, General Washington sieged... Uh, that area at Yorktown I think it's Yorktown and the uh, British troops just couldn't overcome that and and they just vacated and and they left uh, the area to the control of the ones in charge and and I guess I was thinking spiritually I suppose those two connect, surrender Mm -hmm. for a, a person in context of surrender to God might be yielding up control and agreeing to live under the terms of mm-hmm. God and actually even vacating the area and letting God or the one you're surrendering to live there.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's interesting you bring that up. So we talked about this a week or so ago in my life group because I talked about this with them and one of them brought up like like I think I would ask the question well, how do you defend surrender and like, some people, like, sometimes you look at it as, like, like giving in, giving up something, but it's more than that. It's just, like, it's giving somebody control. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not just giving up. Like, no, you're surrendering control. You're putting someone else in control. And whether that's, as you talked to all those military examples, Civil War and Revolutionary War. But really, with God, it's like, God, you are in control. And you are in um, the driver's seat. You take the place, however you want it define it mm-hmm. and so yeah i think that's I was, the thing that that i'm working through is how do i give control of my life and we'll t- well i got some areas i'm going to talk about here in a second uh, I, I was gonna but, say
1: I, I think scripturally i was looking at to paul wrote in galatians two i'm crucified with christ therefore mm-hmm. i no longer live it's, it's
0: yeah jesus that lives in me yeah for sure and that's a that's a really easy thing to do right what paul said no it's easy to read no. for some people. Not everybody. <laughs> well, it Maybe was easy different. to
1: read off of my
0: phone. Oh, that's good. That's it wasn't good. easy so, to do. I gotta pull this up so I don't forget. So, I was asking the question. Want to ask the question? What does it look like to surrender to God? And so, I have some things written down here, like. What I think it means for me personally, and I'm sure other people could relate, and I, I hope to relate to them, for them to say, oh, that's how I could surrender to God. But for you, Bill, and you can be personal about your own life or just speak in generalities, what does it look like to surrender God and then, like, every day I'm a human being living on earth as opposed to some religious mumbo-jumbo that no one understands?
1: Well, I'll try to be brief because I could probably talk a long time. That hasn't changed Uh, Mm -hmm. But I'll be brief. Uh, And I'll talk fairly personally. I I guess for me, it it was the idea that I, you know, it was really hit home almost probably, what, four years ago now, three years ago, that Mm -hmm. um, it's it's the realization that I'm not in charge of what happens to me. Um, Mm -hmm. that, That truly, whenever I try to make plans, whenever I try to make things happen for my life, they don't work out as well as if I just do the best I can do each day and trust that God's going to work it out I mean it's no secret that years ago I was uh, um, let go at, at the church where we served the First Christian and mm-hmm. have a place to work St. Louis didn't have a job for me and I didn't know what to do but yeah. in that whole process I did make a decision that this is the time where if ever you're going to let somebody else drive you should probably let God drive now because you're, you, you've pretty near wrecked the car so in yeah. uh, letting God drive ever since then it hasn't been smooth sailing not everything has worked out exactly like mm. I have wanted it to work out um, but I do think that God has uh, shown his plan and that I feel like that even though it's maybe it different than what I might have dreamed it would be at some point in time uh, God's still working through and using me and so um, it, it's it, as simply as I can put it it's the realization that I don't have to be in charge. I'm not in charge of the big picture. I'm just mm-hmm. responsible to live the day-to-day. But how do you see it? I mean, that's that was my own personal story as, as briefly as I can make it. Yeah.
0: I mean, I like, I like that, that you're not in charge of what happens to to your life. That's 100%. Like, we're not 100%. I'd probably agree with 90% of that because I think there's a few little things. 90%? But
1: wow, you must have got soft since we last were together
0: we won't get into the weeds and stuff but for me i think the biggest thing what surrender looked like for me that that hit home with me was like i'm a i'm a, like a figure it out by yourself kind of guy like i don't like to ask for help i've come a long way um but i don't like that's not like that's not my my tendency to ask for help and even with god like i'll try to figure whether it's work with my family anything I'll try to figure out my own and I was like if I really want to surrender to God my first thing I need to go to is, is go to God and say God I need your wisdom I need your direction I need your plan because whatever I try to, to figure out might be okay but it's not going to be it's not going be fantastic it could be borderline good but it can mm-hmm. truly be great because I rely on God so I'm still I still were it's still like a daily struggle to do that you know because like even like you people know how it is you do these these things you do every day in your job and and my job's predicated on leading people to christ and helping people grow their faith and really i should ask god for help in every area of what i do but i just get i'm so routine in the things i do whether it's preparing a message spending time with my volunteers hanging out with students and it's like i should go to god to have him lead me and direct me in those things so as today I think about, man, I've done a really bad job over that over the last few weeks of letting can I ask God through it.
1: A couple of questions? questions came to mind as I was listening to you. Sure. Um, well, well, one, I'll just get to two questions. You can answer them in any order. But okay. as I was hearing you talk, I think one of the things that I was hearing you say is that one of the difficult things to overcome, and it's true for me, and if I heard you right, is, is the pride issue that, that I'm not calling the shots. How, how do we... Submerge our pride to say not me, but you to God. Mm-hmm. And then number two, I was just curious. You said it a couple times that we ask God to help us, and I get what you mean, and I'm not, and I've done it myself. But I wonder why do we ask God to help us rather than why don't we ask to help God accomplish what He wants to
0: accomplish in our lives? Why is God the helper instead of us? Mm. I'll answer that last one first, or the latter one, because that's the one you asked most recently so I can remember. I think, uh, I think we think God needs us, um, or God needs us more than we need Him. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading um, a book by A.W. Tozer. Rarely do I read book from the nineteen sixties, but I read this book a few years ago, Knowledge of the Holy, and he just like, God doesn't need you to accomplish his mission. And I remember like my mind just being blown, like mm-hmm. I went into ministry thinking God needed me to accomplish what he needed to be done here on earth and he doesn't need me at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think we like I said, we think God needs us more than we need him, where it's reversed. We need God way more um, than he needs us. And I So, agree. so our,
1: our prayer and my prayer should be, rather than God um, help me, or uh, yeah. maybe my prayer ought to be, God, let me help you accomplish what you want to accomplish in my life. Let yeah. me take this second role.
0: But does, but does he even, I mean, even say like, does he even need my help? Like, so then it's like, it's even for me, it seems kind of weak. This is like a rabbit trail. Now we could go. It's like I can't ask that because he doesn't need my help. Why would God help me? Or allow me to help you.
1: I don't let know. Let me ask you, I'm, I'm old and tired at night, but I'll ask this question. Dodge <laughs> is your son. You don't need Dodge's help to do much work around the house, do you? You don't no, need uh,
0: it. Yeah.
1: But you let him help you sometimes.
0: Yeah. Why? Because uh, it teaches him responsibility. It helps him. It takes a load off me, you know. I mean, not like there's a huge load, but yeah, makes it, Whatever I'm doing makes it easier because i got him helping me. Um, I think it's deeper than that, though. But it helps him grow as an individual.
1: I would also think probably it's because you love him and you like spending time with him in that context.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. Or I want him to to clean up his room and not me. But yes, I see (laughs) what you're you're saying. saying. I see what you're saying.
1: I just wonder if God's any Uh, different. No, I agree that God doesn't need us, but I would yeah. I would rather ask to be His help rather than ask mm-hmm. Him to help me.
0: Gotcha. Was well, it wrong to ask God to, to help us? then? I know that's not what you're saying. I don't think it's wrong. I yeah. just think it gets to a deeper place of understanding when we realize mm-hmm.
1: we're not the one that's uh, needing His help. We that's ought to be deep, really
0: helping Him. No wonder. No, are you a doctor yet? You're almost a doctor, right?
1: Next next year, you can say "What's up, doc?" and I can actually answer the question.
0: Yeah, that's what, that's what that almost doctorate degree gets you those deep, deep thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's late your at second, night and I'm old. Your first question was, "How do we overcome pride. our pride?" Is, is that your thing? Yeah, and I think they connect. So I've been thinking about this with just in general, with asking other people for help. It's like, I, it's like I almost have to tell myself over and over again it's okay like you're not less of a person you're not dumber you're not weaker like really you're smarter you're stronger and you're more of a person to ask for help so when you think you're weak by asking help you're actually strong when you think you're dumb you're actually smart when you think you're less you're actually more because other people like I'm talking about specifically with other people asking for help but more specifically with God like God is wiser, God is stronger, God is more, God is more capable, God is is all present, all knowing, all powerful. So you just have to, like for me, it's like you just have to tell yourself over and over again to get that prideful mindset out of the way. I, I don't really know any other way to do it other than just like repeat it to yourself over and over again and start to believe it.
1: It's gonna be a dumb analogy, but I told you it's later night for me, and I (laughs) and I get up. I can get up at five thirty to walk every morning because I'm working hard on being less than me. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) less than me would be better. But here's my thought: you ever been into those, uh, you know, the the fair and other carnivals where they have a fun house where they have those weird mirrors? Yeah, sure. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, then. I think we buy that distorted image, and that's what we think we are. And we do everything mm-hmm. we can to keep it. Satan throws up that distorted image that you gotta be this manly man, you gotta be this wise person that never asks for help, never needs any help. It's a distorted image, but we buy it and we do everything we can to maintain it and mm-hmm. it's all an illusion. Yeah. I and mean, I think I think we can have confidence in who we are. Jesus loves you, created you, and you were made in his image and you were worth him giving his life for. So you you do matter, I matter, we all matter, but it's 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 not the distorted mattering that Satan and the world throws out there. We mm-hmm. we matter and, and we realize that we matter so much to Christ what he paid for us that it doesn't it's gonna sound weird, it doesn't matter what they say, it mm-hmm. only matters who I am to Christ. And so asking for help or not being able to handle things doesn't make me less of a man and mm-hmm. it, it, I, I am still the same person for whom Christ died and not, my not having the same gifts as you, my not having the same gifts as somebody else doesn't make me mm-hmm. lesser or greater yeah. it, it just makes me me yeah. and when I can become comfortable in the uniform I was
0: given I'll play the game a lot better yeah oh, that's my thought yeah. Yeah. Well, I find it interesting like I've done a lot of reflecting on my own self and who I am and why I am the way I am over the last year or so and I think sometimes I mean if you're younger still in your 20s you're obviously still have a lot of life left but up until that point whether you're 35 like me or in your early 50s like you um, your past (laughs) your past and how you're brought up your parents different interactions with other people have a lot to do with how you handle surrendering to God and that pride that gets in the way a lot of giving him control like for me I know um, a lot of my past and my upbringing and different things that happened caused me to struggle in that way and it's been interesting to work through it I've enjoyed it but it's been challenging all at the same time do you think it's hard to let go of,
1: I, mean, I hear what you're saying, but is it yeah. hard to let go of because we have a predetermined outcome of what we think
0: we ought to be? Of my past?
1: No, I mean, you, your your upbringing and your past has, has hardwired you, for lack of a mm-hmm. better term, to think that you should end up in a certain place. And if you're not getting there or you don't feel like you're getting there,
0: yeah. that
1: could be really tough.
0: I don't think it's hardwired. I think it for people, they think it's hardwired and the idea of the hardwired is like you can't change and that's not true. I think if you take the time and it it takes a lot of time, if you take the time to really examine your shortcomings and why they are the way they are, where they came from, you can begin to like tear them down and then build yourself back up. But that's, a difficult process in itself but it can be done that makes sense it does
1: I was thinking about it too because I I taught a class I teach in a class on small group leadership and I have an online class too but we were talking Mm -hmm. about this a little bit today and and yesterday and I was thinking of it in terms of surrender what is it that we fear when we surrender to the Lord what what do we think we're giving
0: up oh I mean I would First comes to mind is my ability to do what I want to do. Who yeah. I am, what makes me who I am, and then basically doing what I want. And that's, I think, the biggest thing for Christians that they struggle with is, is understanding wants and desires with God's plan and will and direction. that's I, I've had lots of conversations with like, is it wrong to like just focus on these non, like, I hate saying this, but it's like kingdom work stuff. Like, Oh, this is what I do for a hobby. Or this is what I think about my house should look like. Like I waste time on paint color or, um, playing lifting weights. Like none of that's advancing the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Like since some people think, do I have to give up that stuff to fully surrender to God? And I was just like, I don't, sometimes I'm like, Sometimes I think for me personally, I won't tell. I won't always tell other people what to do. But sometimes I think for myself, maybe I do. Should just not worry about, like I should sell my house and live as a nomad and and try to just only talk about Jesus to people, mm-hmm. as opposed to worry about, you know, what I'd like some new living room chairs, or man, I really like my benchmax to go up this week, so I am going to work on it. You know, you know what I am saying?
1: I do. I am thinking of the rich young ruler. I mean, Jesus asked. One person to give up everything he had, mm-hmm. but he didn't ask everybody to give up yeah. everything he had. And so my question is why? And I mean, there is an answer to that question, and I don't know that I can ever, this side of heaven, a hundred percent know the answer. Mm-hmm. But I think we can do some pretty good answers. It's because the rich young ruler, that was his thing. In, in your terminology, that I haven't forgot that was his jam. That was what yeah. he was all about. <laughs> and yeah. It, it, so, Jesus has to be first. It doesn't mean he has to be only, but it does mm-hmm. mean he has to be first. And yeah. he has to be number one in your heart. It doesn't mean you can't do other things too. And, and everything we do, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. Everything we do, do as unto the Lord, and not unto man So, clearly, mm-hmm. there's other things that can't be and ought, ought to be done. Mm-hmm. But um, it's all about everything we do is about Christ. And uh, at least that's how I see it. But I would say for a person, if whatever it is that you would put ahead of Christ is what you are called to give
0: up in surrender. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree with you with the rich, regular thing. What's that one thing? Um, Well, I think it is my
1: real quick thought. I think there's only two things people really need. I, I think people's need... If we really cut it down, there's only two things people really absolutely need. And this Mm is what we talked about in our class. And I think they need a relationship with Jesus, and they need um, other people in their lives. I mean, everything else is once.
0: Well, it's interesting, like, like the greatest commandment, love God and then love people. And one of the best ways we love people is being in relationship with them. So mm-hmm. we love God by knowing God and following His commands, but also conversing with Him and, and mm-hmm. knowing Him through Scripture. But then people, we love people by serving people, spending time with people. And so mm-hmm. that would make sense. I think, if, I think-
1: if, if we're surrendering, a lot of, mostly God's calling us to surrender wants. He's mm-hmm. not calling us to surrender what we need. He's calling mm-hmm. us to surrender our wants.
0: Yeah. So the last question I had for us to kind of talk about, because... Bill, you work at uh, Central Christian College of the Bible. Central Christian
1: College of the Bible,
0: and I work uh, at First Christian Church in Washington as a student minister. So you work with college students for the most part, and I work with um, junior high or middle school and high school students. So you can talk from a college perspective. I can talk about a young teenage perspective. What makes it? Let's see how I want to word this. What do you think college students struggle the most with when it comes to surrender? Surrendering to God. Like, what would be their biggest, like, I don't know if I want to do, surrender my life to God because...
1: That, that's a hard one. I mean, it's not uniform for everyone, but in general terms, I, I will say this. I think for a lot of younger people, uh, even college or even even a little bit older than that, their view of... The Lord, and for a lot of them, they view the Lord and their, and their view of their relationship with Jesus is a little fuzzy. So the idea, it's compartmentalized. They have one, but it isn't it isn't overarching. It doesn't extend to every part of their lives. And mm-hmm. so surrender doesn't, to them, make sense because that Jesus does, isn't over every part of their lives for some of them. So mm-hmm. so they have compartmentalized their lives. There's a, a spiritual component, yeah, but it, it's not over everything. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, that's one thing, is that they have compartmentalized. They have put their faith in a box. And I think our culture kind of helps mm-hmm. push that, because we want to be tolerant of other people's boxes, and we want to mm-hmm. let people be people, and we don't want to judge anyone. And so I think we have conditioned our young people to sort of think that way. That's mm-hmm. your box of religion, but don't mess with somebody else's box. Yeah. And then I, I think for others, though, I think the hard part for those who, for whom Christ is over over everything, I, I think the hard part is um, that they feel like they'll be missing something. They look yeah. at their friends, they look at other people, and they look at what the church has done, kind of, in some ways, in some ways they're a little bit harsh on the church and in some ways it's a fair criticism but the church has presented Jesus in a relationship with him not in the most uh, flattering or correct terms and so it it looks less than it is and I think they feel like they are
0: going to miss something Hmm. interesting I think it's similar with teenagers in a sense like with compartmentalizing things I don't think they're much there but and like you said, it's not universal for everyone, but it's probably I think it was two thousand and nineteen. Was at a week of, of high school camp, we thing called we go CIY, and one of the high school boys was really struggling with like this idea of surrender. He didn't he wasn't talking about it, but that's what he was really struggling with. And his thing was like, I'm just afraid my life won't be any fun if I give my life fully to Jesus, if I fully surrender and devote my life to him. And I remember myself and my other youth sponsor, Craig, just talking with him and both of them trying to help me understand, like our lives have been so much fuller and filled with joy and excitement and fun than they ever were without Jesus at the center of our lives. So I think teenagers specifically will struggle with surrender because they think they have to give up the best parts of life in order to follow Jesus because, I mean, a lot of the culture that they're around as young teenagers, I mean, I it wasn't too long ago for me, but you, you feel like what's happening in high school is considered fun. I have to miss out on that. And then the other thing is now, too, not just the fun thing, but you kind of hit it a little bit, is like there are so many competing ideas that go against Christianity, like the, the core beliefs of, of Christianity, that if you don't believe or if you go against the cultural norms, your life will be more difficult. You'll be looked at as this, this, this bigot or bad person, and so they don't want. They want to believe in Jesus, but they don't necessarily want to believe in the teachings of God and Jesus. So, because they don't want to be offensive to other people, so I think those are probably the two biggest things. It's hard to surrender for uh, high school students, middle school students. I think would be the fun thing, and just like. Why? How, how does this serve any purpose in my life right now? That's their thing with middle just like, how does this make my life better?
1: I think those are great observations, and I, I think they're similar to what I see from our, our college-age people, and, and not just even in, in the college, but people in general, younger. And, and I think in some ways, even adults are that way. It's, it's hard to wear the label of Christian for a couple of reasons. One, and you hit on it, mm-hmm. if you're serious about it, Culture is going to label you, and you're going to pay a price. I mean, being called a bigot or raising your family where they, you don't do everything everybody else does. Yeah, I think there's pressure to conform to the culture. You're judgmental. You're hateful. Mm-hmm. And then on the, on, on the other side, for, for people I see too, just in general, not not just young people, but but surrendering to Jesus is hard. I mean, mm-hmm. it is letting yourself you die to your own wants. Yeah, and that's hard. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a hard thing. We're born as people that want what we want when we want it, and yeah. to let that die is difficult. Yeah, I mean, we have to turn yeah. it to the Holy Spirit to let it die, but mm-hmm. it is a
0: it's a tough choice. Mm-hmm. So, to end our time, you have not a lot of time, so don't say a lot of words like you do sometimes, Bill. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll minimize my words. Someone's trying to, you know, give up or surrender that want or that thing that's ahead of Jesus. You know, what would be your, like, this is the number one thing you got to do? This is the first and most important thing you got to do that'll help you surrender that to God. The, the
1: number one thing in for surrendering to Jesus? Mm-hmm. How to really give it all up? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. My answer might surprise you. I'll be really succinct. I think the closer you walk with Jesus, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the easier it is to give stuff up for Him. So I think the answer is to fall in love with Christ more, to know Him better. Because once you know Him that well, there's nothing better than Him.
0: Nice. That's pretty succinct and, and short. I'm almost flabbergasted. I don't know what to do with myself. Done. Um I would say for me, I would say the number one thing I would do after that, because you can't really beat that answer. It's kind of like you have to say that as a Christian. Um, I would say... You you were thinking that before I said it, though. Yeah, I would say talk to a, a seasoned follower of Jesus who could speak from experience of the benefits of giving up those wants to put God first and how it has positively changed and impacted their life. Cause I guarantee you a good all answer. of them would be like, yeah, I wanted to pursue this and I realized I was just being selfish and self-centered and worldly. And when I put that aside, God opened my eyes to things I never thought humanly possible to experience life. So that makes
1: sense. That's good.
0: It's it's right. it's hard.
1: Hard. It is hard and I don't mm-hmm. want to be negative with people. I mean, I think yeah. too many times I hear Christians say negative things. Well, don't do this. Give up this. I, I think if you will embrace what you get. Yeah. And talking to people who have embraced what they've gotten, it's easier to, to let
0: it go. Yeah. Well, that is all we're going to talk about surrender. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation that Bill and I have had about surrender. Now it's the time at the end of the podcast where we do some nonsense. So This is where we're best at. Uh, Bill, my question is for today
1: I have no idea what this question is by the way, it wasn't scripted
0: it's not, and I don't even know if I know what the question is yet um, mm. I I see something over here to my left but I thought it was a question, but I don't think I want to do that now because I think people are like, I'm tuning this out real quick um, what's the best dessert to eat on 4th of july
1: <laughs> that's my birthday so it's an it easy is a answer. birthday I, that's true I, I forgot would, about that i would say birthday cake but that's really not my answer uh the best thing for the 4th of july and i've had it for my birthday as well occasionally although i don't always celebrate my birthday but uh homemade ice cream is the single best thing on 4th of
0: July. oh gosh you're such a smart person well, like just plain, van- just plain old vanilla just plain old vanilla
1: well, I mean it, back in the day that's all we had. <laughs> I suppose they couldn't make chocolate. I might have had chocolate once or twice. Dude, maybe strawberries.
0: Oh you could put strawberries, you could yeah. do caramel. Well, we never
1: did when I was there, but maybe once or twice. But but normally just vanilla.
0: What year were you born? Like nineteen sixty something?
1: No, nineteen sixty five.
0: Nineteen sixty five. See, that's not even that like you graduated in the eighties, man. I did. Eighty three. Ice My 40 year well, reunion's coming up. I I do agree that homemade ice cream is pretty good, and that's a pretty good dessert for Fourth of July. And I I so wish you just would have said something where I could say, "No, you're wrong," because that's what I <laughs> enjoy doing the most is just telling you you're wrong. I know, but I was right this time. Your your answer's dumb. But I was supposed I'm supposed to be ask nice. You a to question. Question.
1: This is a good question. I'm
0: supposed to be nice. And, to and you. it relates oh,
1: to stuff. It's not that relevant. This is a dumb time anyway. But uh-huh. I mean, the NFL playoffs are going on now. They are my quest, And I'm a Chiefs fan. You're a Rams fan. I know the Rams are not in it this time. Rams are a good team. The family the, the champs didn't make it. They didn't make they it. They did first. not. They did but not. Anyway, my question is, are you tired of the hype of Buffalo and Cincinnati, or are you on those two teams' train? Because I think most Kansas City fans are
0: tired of hearing about Buffalo and Cincinnati. Um, that's That sounds about right. Um, I'm not a Chiefs fan per se. I, will, I, I think I always will root for them if they're not playing the rams um like the year they won the super bowl I was very happy for them cuz they're they're in Missouri so I, I, they're a Missouri team. I'm not like you Bill and just hate all the other Missouri baseball team that's not the Royals. Uh um, oh, I don't like the Cardinals. I don't. You're right about that. But uh <laughs> I I'm kind of hoping the Bills win the super bowl cuz they never won one before. Why would you cheer for the Bills? I I'm not like like Buying T-shirts and sweatshirts and rooting for them. Jared Allen was on my fantasy. Are you
1: part of the Bills Mafia?
0: Uh, yes. Jared Allen was on my fantasy team this year, and he was the only player I had that was worth anything. I was terrible this year. This was the worst fantasy football okay. season I had. Okay, in a I want long you to time. do
1: this for me, because I watch. Sometimes I watch sports. I watch sports Center early in the morning, as I get ready to go walk. So I get a walk by five thirty. So rank the top uh, five, six quarterbacks in the, each conference. I'll see if five, you six got. It. in these
0: Conference. <laughs> yeah, I can That's do that.
1: 12 quarterbacks? Well, at least the top five in these conferences. shouldn't be that difficult.
0: Okay, um, let's do the AFC. That's easy. So, Mahomes Josh, number Ann, one. Josh, I'm not doing any particular. Josh Allen, Mahomes, um, Burrow. Burrow, yeah. And you got then, Herbert. Hold on. Let, you going know, to let me answer the question, or are you just going to answer it for me? I'm trying to play with you. Are, are we doing this together? What, what I don't know what, what we're it? doing. We're yeah. not scripted here. Okay, Josh Allen, uh, Burroughs, um, what's his name? Patrick Mahomes. I think. Um, what's his face from the Ravens? Uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, yeah, he'd be up there. So I don't think Lamar Jackson is tough. I think he's fourth or fifth. I think her. You said five or six. I'm just these aren't in any order. Herbert, okay. I probably agree with that one. I agree with that one. Now I got to like rack my brain. I'm just going with those five. Is that five? Well, that makes sense. Okay, well, I would
1: get those five, but I would probably put Lamar Jackson fifth.
0: That's fine. I agree with that. Okay, I agree. With Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, and and Josh Allen are like one A and one B. I think I think yeah. Mahomes is ahead of Allen, but or but Allen's pretty close. A NFC, who knows, man. Um, who are are, are any, any quarterbacks good in the NFC? Well, Jalen Hurts is there for the Eagles. He's okay. Yeah, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Kirk Cousins
1: at the Vikings. Daniel no. Jones at the Giants. No. 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 Dak uh, Dak Prescott of the Giants. Oh, the it's Cowboys. like
0: saying like. All these guys that are quarterbacks in the NFC, like, none of them, like, are, like, proven. You're Like, you think of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, but both of those are like, no, you're not top five anymore. Like, Tom Brady, he looked terrible that last game. He looked like a 44 or 45-year-old, however old he is. Um, like, and who's left in the NFC? you got the Eagles, the Giants... He um, goes
1: playing the Giants and the 49ers Cowboys. with
0: that new kid, the kid from Iowa Yeah, so say. Dak Prescott's the best one out of all those guys. I guess Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts and Dak. And then, I mean, I sound like a homer. Matthew Stafford's pretty good, but he was injured most of the year, so.
1: Yeah, Matthew Stafford I would put in that in that category.
0: Do you um, like Baker Mayfield? Do I like Baker Mayfield? He, he made it fun to watch the games at the end of the season when the Rams had nothing to play for, so.
1: Yeah, interesting. I agree. All right. I am just
0: curious. Well, I'm glad we could talk football if anyone's still listening to this part. And then, I (laughs) agree. Or not live, I suppose. Homemade ice cream on Fourth of July sounds like a great dessert. But you need like a warm, like brownie or like apple crisp or like. mm. Well,
1: usually for me, birthday cake went with it.
0: Well, it's also America's birthday, right? So we never do birthday cake on America's birthday. Happy birthday, America. Well. Um. That's all we got. I hope you enjoyed this time.
1: Hey, I'm glad to be back. Thanks for bringing us back, Mr. Pierre. I have missed this, and if we only do one show, it's been a fun one. But I hope we do more.
0: We will do more. We have more in store for you for the "We're Not as Dumb as You Think You Are" podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to you listening to more.